Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. The title of the message is Being Pleasing to God. Being Pleasing to God. And I'm going to just lay a brief foundation of what we are talking about. God desires more than anything else is for us to be doers of his word with a pure heart. This is what I believe from scripture, from reading scripture, is that more than anything else, this is what he desires. And as we go along, you'll see some of what I'm saying. But Let's look at Isaiah 55, verse 10. Let's go there. God says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That's a natural principle, isn't it? A natural principle. And anyone who's planted anything knows that you don't look at what you see. You look at the unseen. As far as um, when the rain comes down, and snow from heaven. We know that if we have a garden, it's going to sprout. We know that even without us doing almost anything at all, it's still going to sprout because God has already said so. He has said thorns and thistles is going to produce. So you don't, have to, you don't have to go around planting thorns and thistles it's going to produce anyway with rain. It's going to do it. Because God says so. Then we take the what we don't see and we want to dwell on that. Verse 11 says, So shall my word be. Now, that's telling telling me that whatever God has said is going to sprout, is going to produce exactly what he has said is going to do. Because he says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty, some version said, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for where I sent it. Now that that is it's exciting to a farmer who plants a garden and it rains. He's excited. She's excited. It doesn't it doesn't matter. He hasn't seen not one sprout, not one thing yet. But he knows. She knows that it's going to sprout. It's just going to do it. Because of the natural principle. 
You give us rain, you give us sunshine, it's going to produce. And he says that you can take that natural principle and now you don't see what's happening when I have spoken. But it's happening. It's happening from the time it left my mouth. It is happening. It's going to produce. Just as sure as what you planted going to come up, what I said is going to produce. It's going to accomplish. It's going to prosper wherever I send it. And I want to take that word that we have gone over before but not emphasize just this part of it is that we need to be pleasing to God and nothing pleases God more than obedience to his word. He says, well, I don't know about that. So let's go over a couple of, uh, just just um, a few verses that relates to pleasing God. Like in 1 John chapter 3, verse 22, it says, And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, I want us to, as we hear the word of God, God said that he was speaking through the apostle, but God said that. God is inspiring and inspired the writing of the Bible and the words that was written is God, not man. And God says that whatever we ask, we will receive from him. That's what he said. That should excite all of us because I want you, I want to, whatever I ask, I want to receive it. I want to receive it. And I know, and I've told you, and you have to take every scripture, every message, you have to put it line upon line from Genesis to Revelation. You have to, you have to say that, okay, I, I know God's not saying anything I ask if I said, light, stop. No. We know from past teaching from the word of God from Genesis to Revelation that God wants us to glorify him. He has said that uh, we were created for his glory. So whatever I ask, I'm supposed to ask for his glory. We said even last week uh, in the past message, we said that, look, we are supposed to be one. We're in Jesus. Our life is here with Christ in God. The Holy Spirit is in us. Jesus and the Father will come and manifest itself to us. You remember those, those scriptures we read? We are one with him. So that means that oneness are supposed to speak the same thing. So anything that I'm speaking, I'm asking for, I'm asking because I see it in the word of God. I want to ask for souls because I see it in the word of God. And I know that God is interested in souls being saved. I know he is. 
And so if he's interested in souls being saved, saved, I need to ask. He said in other places, he says that, that uh, we're supposed to pray for all authority, for uh, you know, uh, those who are over us. We're supposed to pray for them. Even if, if the, he, he said, even if you're in captivity, Israel, I want you to pray for that place you're in captivity in because when they succeed, you'll succeed. It's all the way through the scripture what he wants us to do. He wants to pray for kings and, and all those in authority. So we need to be praying for our president, our vice president. That the, we need to be praying for the judicial, the executive, legislative part of the government on the federal, the state, the local levels. We need to be praying. And we don't need to be saying, oh, well, I'm not going to pray for them because I didn't put them in office. Well, it doesn't matter what you, who you put in office. What matters is that all authority is from God because he said so. So we need to be praying for all authority. And, and more so, if the authority is not lined up with the scripture, we need to be praying because we want God to turn the hearts because he said so. He said, I'll turn the hearts of kings, just like I turned the rivers of water, I turn it. And so if we believe what God says, if that word came out of his mouth, it's not going to return void. We have to accomplish what he told us to accomplish, pray. That's what we need to do. So we're not going to be asking for anything other than what God has told us to ask for. He's given us a pattern in in the Lord's prayer, what we need to be asking for. A second scripture will be Hebrews 13, 17. He says that, and do not neglect doing good and sharing for such as, for such sacrifices, they are pleasing to God. So Hebrews 11, 6. It is, he says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. And that diligently seek means it is, it's not just a seeking, a casual seeking. It is a, a continuous, repeated act of pressing into uh, a relationship with God where you really are diligently seeking him. So we know without faith we can't please him. Romans 8.8 8 says that, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So that tells me, according to the surrounding verses of that, that tells me that I need to be walking in the Spirit. Because if I'm walking in the Spirit, I'm not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. So it pleases God when we walk in the Spirit and by the Spirit, because we have the Holy Spirit in us, so we need to be listening for the Holy Spirit. We need to be obeying the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God. John 8, 29. And Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. He said, And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. If Jesus can say 
I always do those things that are pleasing to the Father. We should be saying, we always do things pleasing to the Father. This is what our aim is. Every day we wake up, everything I say, I want to say things that's going to be pleasing to the Father. I want to respond in such a way as pleasing to the Father. I want to go places pleasing to the Father. I want to look at things as pleasing to the Father. Because we want to please the Father. That's why we are here. And if Jesus always does that, then we want to do that. It's important to please God. And you say, well, I still don't know whether uh, obedience is the most important thing. It's one of the important things, but it's not the most important thing. He says without faith it's impossible to please him. So therefore, faith probably is the most important thing. Well, I don't believe that. 1 Corinthians 19, 1 through 3. 13, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Everybody knows 1 Corinthians 13. It says in verse 1, If I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I have, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It says in verse 2, If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, more knowledge than Solomon, no more knowledge than anybody in the world. I know everything. And if I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, I can say, sharp top mountain move from Bedford to Lynchburg. If I have that type of faith and do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give my possessions to feed the poor, which is a good thing, feed the poor, and have not, and, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but if I do not have love, it profits me nothing. So, if we think that faith is the most important thing because without faith it's impossible to please God, well, love is very important too, isn't it? God is love. But even these scriptures of speaking of love is still the most important thing is obedience to the word of God because the word of God says that we should love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. And we should love others as he has loved us. So love is important. But you can't have love without being obedient. You say, I can love without being obedient. I can love God without being obedient. Well, no, you can't. Because God has said that if you love me, keep my commandments. So I'm saying by the word of God 
that God, the most important thing is whatever God says, do it. That's important. Whatever he says, do it. If it's a command, do it. And it's a, it's a lifetime, of course, uh, doing that. Uh, every day, we want to move closer and closer to him. And further and further away from our own desire, our own way, our own will, and the world's way. And that's a challenge. We know that. But I just want to lay that foundation because we're still on the topic of increasing our faith. Even though we have been teaching on that uh, we don't need to worry or be in the anxiety of all those things, well, you, you will be if you don't trust God, if you don't have faith in God. So we're still talking about that. And I want to go to a, some examples in Scripture that tells us how to increase our faith. It shows us. It gives us living examples. So let's go to and camp out in Numbers from here. Let's go to Numbers uh, chapter 13. Let's go there. And this is the account of the Lord sending out spies to the promised land. He had promised them. It really uh, intrigued me to, to find out how in the world did Joshua and Caleb, how did they have the faith that they had? Because in order for us to increase, we want to find out, well, how did other people increase their faith? How, what, what, what were they thinking about? How did they develop this thing? And so we want to go through this 13th chapter. Then I want to give an assignment for next week, uh, because I want us to, and God wants us to, glean from his word everything that he put in that word that's going to help us. And everything's going to help us if we have it in the right context. Let's look at verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now we know who's speaking. We know what's happening here. The Lord spoke to Moses. And he says, Send out for yourself men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan. Now, God has already told Abraham that every place he goes, he's going to give it to him. He's already said that. And so, here, God is about to do something here. And I'm wondering, why? Why would God send out 
spies to Canaan when he knows that they are not where they're supposed to be. They have weak faith. Come on now. I mean, he tells the disciples, oh, you have little faith. Right? So it takes time. It takes some effort. It takes the Spirit of God to, to, to help us develop this faith. And he knows. He knows. He knows. That they're going to mess up. He knows that. He knows that. But is it a good thing that they know that before they go over there? Do you think that um do you think that they will succeed without God? See, they thought, I believe, that we can we can we can do this thing. We can do this thing. Because God said we can do it, so He's already He already knows we can do this thing. Where did they come from? To this point, had He already done any miracles? Did they see the hand of the Lord? Did He did 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 He only do the little bitty things, or did He do some great things also? Yeah. How much effort does it take to open up a sea and they go over on, ground, on dry ground? You know, so so uh, to bring them out, so they, I'm thinking, God, show me some stuff here. Because I need to, I want to know how these men did this thing. Then it says, which I am going to give to them, which is the sons of Israel. So he said, Moses, uh, I, I, look, I want you to send out some spies. I want, to, I want them to spy out the land, and I'm going to give them. And it says, You shall send a man from each of their father's tribe. Now, I stopped there. I said, I know who I'll send. I'll send Blojo because Blojo, if he doesn't come back, it's not going to matter much because Blojo, he doesn't have much faith and, and he's not important. But I'm sure not going to send out my best men. I'm not going to send out my leaders. But see, God says, then, <laughs> he says, everyone, a leader among them. So you can't send Blojo, because Blojo, he's not a leader. I want you to pick the best. I want you to pick the men who are leaders of every tribe. I want you to pick a leader a strong one, tough. I want you to send one from each tribe. Verse 3 says, So Moses sent them from, from the wilderness of Haran at the command of the Lord. 
See, it wasn't Moses doing. Moses didn't say, uh, Lord, wh- 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 I think I want to find out what's out there first. Can I send some man out there? Lord said, Moses, this is what I want you to do. So he does it. All of them men who were leaders of the sons of Israel. Then it starts naming them. And it says in verse 6, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. So, so we, we know, we read about Joshua and Caleb. And then from the tribe of Ephraim, we know Hoshea, uh, the son of Nun. We know that um, Moses called him, if you look down in verse 13, get in verse 13, but Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Now, so we know that we got Joshua and Caleb. Now, I want to concentrate a little bit on on Caleb because Joshua, I know a little bit more about Joshua than I do Caleb. I know that Joshua was a leader. Before, I know that, I know that Joshua, uh, he was a minister or a servant of Moses. I know that he saw things that others didn't see. I know that when, when, when Moses went up to the mountain to, to uh, talk to God and get the, uh, you know, the tablets there, Joshua went up part of the way with him. When Moses, when, when, when Moses came back down, then Joshua was there waiting on him, and they went, went down together and heard the people, you know, uh, making merry, doing all these things because they had built a a calf and all this kind of stuff and want to go back to Egypt. Uh, see, Joshua saw all that. <clears throat> but there's no account that I could read about Caleb doing all that. You know? So I said, well, I said, I, I, I know that. I know, I know that probably Joshua had a lot of faith because he was mentored by Moses, see? So, but all of us not going to be mentored by this great, great, uh, Man of God, Moses, uh, uh, all of them weren't, weren't, weren't like that. There was 12 of them that went out, and all 12 were the same. They were leaders of, the, of their tribe. So why did they, did, did they have such great faith? And you got 10 of the men of God that had no faith. To do what God said do. Verse 19. How is the land? So this is this is what God is asking him to do. I want you to I want you to check the land out. Now let's go back to verse 18. I want you to check this land out. See see what kind of land what kind of land it is. Whether it's whether the people who live in the, in, the, in the land, are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. Now, suppose they were small people, about four foot one, and, you know, they were weak. They couldn't hardly walk. 
They had kings and stuff. I bet you they, they would come back and say, hey, we can take them. We can take them, y'all. But see, that wasn't their account. See, so why is God doing this thing here? How is the land, verse 19, in which they live? Is it good or bad? God already knows it's a good land. He's not going to take them somewhere with bad land. And how are the cities, uh, you know, which they, they, they live in? Are they like open camps? Or are they fortified? Verse 20. How is the, the, the land? Is it fat and lean? Or, lean? or is it lean? Or do they have trees in the land? Make an effort that you, to, to, to get some of the fruit so you can see uh, how the land is. So God tells them the thing that the Lord tells them. I said, wow. Verse 25. Verse 25 says, When they return, and see, if you haven't read it, and I hadn't read it, I would think these mighty, valiant men, 12 of them, they, 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 they like Joshua and Cain, they, they're tough. I don't know these other names that they named all of them. You know, they named all of them. I don't know anything about them, but they must be pretty tough. They must be pretty tough because I know Joshua and Caleb was pretty tough. They got to be tough, too. So they probably came back, boy, and said, we wiped them out. We wiped them out. But see, we read it already. Unfortunately, we read it. Unfortunately, we read it. They didn't. They didn't have that. Read. So it says, they proceeded to. Come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel. So these are leaders coming to their tribe and all of them. So you got all 12 of them there together talking to Moses and Aaron and everybody standing around, you know, come on, good fellows, man, stop keeping us in, you know, in suspense. Tell us. Tell us how good stuff we got over there. And it says that, and they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 26. Thus they told them and said, we went to the to land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. So that means that they had already been told that this is going to flow with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. Now, have you seen grapes? Just a cluster of grapes. You know, you can go to the grocery store and, and get, uh, they, they put them in little bags already, and, and do y'all have to Get it and, and, and say, hey, Malera, come in. Help me take this thing. Uh, this, this cluster of grapes here. The grapes were so big. And they were, they were, this cluster was so heavy. They had to put it between some poles and men had to take it on their shoulders. It says, nevertheless, nevertheless, the people who live in the land, are strong. I was thinking they were going to be weak, but they were strong. And the cities 
I thought they wouldn't be living in tents or something, you know, because we you know we we are sojourn in different places. But but that 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 cities were they were fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of a knack there. And see, uh, the background of that is that they used to say, um, who can stand against the sons of a knack? They're, they're, they're the, the giants. Who can stand against them? So the people were very tall, very large, very strong. They had cities. And so uh, to those giants, probably the cluster of grapes was just, just something like we got by from Kroger or somewhere. But, but to them, it's not like that. Let's go to verse 30. And Caleb, boy, I like that. Because we don't know a whole lot before that. And about Caleb, but Caleb quieted the people. What were the people doing when they said, yeah, I was good. Look at these grapes. Look at everything. Woo-hoo-hoo. I'm glad they're, they're big because the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Were they saying all that? No, he had to quiet the people from not celebrating. They weren't celebrating. And said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it. For we shall surely, we will surely overcome it. So the people must have been really complaining and really crying out. And, and you know, we, we, we know how it is because it tells us, listen, verse 31. But the men who had gone up with them, with him, said, these are these great men of valor, ten of them. Great men of valor. Oh, man, they, they strong leaders. They were with them. They said, we're not able to, to, to go up and, 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 and against these people, for they are too strong for us. Well, hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. That's okay. They are too strong. See, I read they were too strong for who? Us. They are too strong for us. Isn't that what you want? Who do you want to get the glory? Us? Do you want us? Because if, if they were if they weren't not strong, if they were weak, then we would say that hey, we can go up and take them because they are so little, they are so weak. We can easily take them, but God's not going to get in the glory for that. What you want? Is a God to give you something to do that only God can bring it to pass. That's what you want. You don't want no vision from God, nothing from God that, that you can do without God. Come on. God doesn't get no glory. We were created for his glory. In order for him to get the glory, you got to have some challenge before you that you cannot accomplish without God intervening and God doing it for you. Even though he's going to require you to do it and me to do it. You go out and take them. Yeah. 
See, so he, he had a purpose of sending them out there. I want you to see what's out there. And he expected, well, that, that, that's, what, that's what we should want to. We expect our leaders to say, I don't care what's facing us. I don't care about a pandemic. I don't care about this and I don't care about that. We're not going to look at what we see. We're not going to look at what we hear, uh, listen to what we hear. We're going to look at the unseen. What has God said? So if you got some unsaved loved ones or something, hey, don't, <laughs> don't be upset because they're not saved yet. This is time to say, hallelujah, God can do this thing. I don't care how uh, stubborn they are. I don't care what it looks like. But you say, well, great, praise God. It looks really bad. Looks like they're never going to give their life to the Lord. But God. This is what I had a, 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 a young man in the, in the congregation years ago. And uh, he was saying that, this person, and he called a man's name, this person is never going to get saved. They're never going to get saved. They're just as stubborn as they can be. They, they, they won't listen to the word of God. They, they, they come to church, and, but they are so stubborn, and they, they come with their wife, and the wife is saved, but he, he's not saved. And, and when I talk to him, he doesn't want anything to do with the Lord. He comes because his wife wants him to come. That's all the reason he comes. It won't about three months. And the fellow came back and he said, Guess what? Joe Blow gave his life to the Lord. I said, I thought you said he'll never I I thought he I thought he'd never. He had factored out God. That's what he had done. Factored out God. You can't fact out God in anything that God says that he wants done. And he wants all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. That's what his word says. Wow. God says, Caleb is pretty tough. Against all these leaders who went with him, it was ten against two. And then a whole congregation. And these ten influenced the whole congregation. We don't want to do that, do we? We don't want to do that. We want to be like Caleb. That's what we want to be like Caleb. Now, I ask you, how can we be like Caleb? How can we really increase our faith to be that way in spite of all the other people who are just like we are? Because all of them are just like Joshua and Caleb, they were all leaders. They saw the same thing in the natural. They saw the same thing. But see, I believe Caleb and Joshua saw beyond the natural. They saw the spiritual. They had their mind on what God has already said. They knew 
that Moses said, that God said, that he is going to give us this land. That's what it says. So if he's going to give us this land, then all he's doing is testing us. We're the leaders. Nobody's more tough than we are. He sent us, and therefore, we're supposed to build up the faith of the whole congregation because God doesn't want them going over and thinking everything is hunky-dory, that everybody's little, and they get there and their hearts melt. He doesn't want that to happen, so he sent us to spout the land so we can bring back this great report. Say, hey, they are big, they are strong, fortified cities. But guess what? God said he's going to give it to them. And I want you to know that when God says something, he's going to do it. Do you remember what God did? Do you remember he did this over here? Do you remember he did that? Do you remember this right here? Do you remember all these things that God did? Well, let me tell you something. We're going over and we're going to take them. And we're going we're gonna to wipe them out. I hope they come out big and tall and acting like they're going to do something. And we're going to wipe them right on out. They'll, matter of fact, their little strength is, is, is gone. They don't have much strength. They think they have strength, but they don't have strength. When they go, when they go to raise their hand, oh, my goodness, we got that hand going to wheel on down. We're going to wipe them out, and we're going to step on them. Y'all with me? And they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what God's looking for out of, out, out of us. I don't care what's going on in the United States. I don't care what all this stuff is. I, mean, you know, I don't care what it looks like. You know? I don't, I don't care. It looks like, you know, it looks like this, looks like that, you know, I don't care. Looks like my checkbook looks like blue, pretty bad. That's all right. That's all right. I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. Your assignment. I want you to read chapter 14 on your own. I want you to kind of see what God is saying and then and read between the lines and, and all those type of things and, and see will he speak to you about things because you can go over this part and you see some things I didn't see. See, because God wants to speak to you. He wants to build your faith up in him. He wants you to know that he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Whatever he says is going to come to pass. It's not going to return void. It's going to accomplish that which he pleased. It's going to prosper where he's in it. So I don't care what you see. I'm telling you that if I spoke it, it's going to come to pass. That's what he wants. He wants us to build our faith in that. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.